the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. So this is an episode that if you are a New York State resident and hoping to qualify for the Excelsior program or the TAP, Tuition Assistance Program, you're going to want to listen to this because we are reporting on some late-breaking and disturbing developments about those programs. So this was uh, originally aired on our Tuesday morning show, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, College Talk Tuesday. This was from September 1st, uh, 2020, and we will be following the story that we describe here until we know what the heck is going on. Enjoy. Yes, we're live, Pearl. Yes. Are you done smudging the monitor? I'm done. Welcome. Welcome to College Talk Tuesday. Hi, everybody. Formerly known as College COVID and Coffee Talk. I just got sick of that. I'm sick of the whole coronavirus thing. I'm over it. However, I'm not sick of coffee, so if you have your cup of coffee, please indulge us in a simultaneous sip. You did that like a shot, um, which might be appropriate in terms of a harbinger of things to come on this episode. Indeed. So uh, College Talk Tuesday is our weekly show that is semi-weekly that uh, where, where Pearl and I talk about all things college. I'm Andy Lockwood, Pearl Lockwood here, Lockwood College Prep, and it's all about trying to figure out college admissions, financial aid, uh, test prep, you know, you name it. So I see a lot of people joining us. So let's just say some good mornings. Hello to Claire. Oh, I haven't talked to Claire in a while. And Lisa, Chris with a very snazzy symbol there. I like that. Hello to Lori and other Lori, Ellen and Christina. And Ellen has a few questions. All right, good. So if you have questions, we got answers. So, um, so today we were going to talk about something that's a little—I can't say it's unpredictable, but um, unsettling. Definitely, yeah, unsettling and disturbing. So, um, with apologies to people who are not in the state of New York who are watching us today, this is a New York-focused segment. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the New York financial aid programs that we're a little nervous about right now. And um, then we're going to talk sort of generally about um, some college application and essay stuff. I just ran my fourth uh, boot camp of the summer two days ago on Sunday, basically recovered from that. And I want to share some impressions um, in case you have a rising senior who is dealing with the, the um, applications and essays right now. So Pearl, why don't you talk a little bit about what you've discovered? Sure. Okay. So for starters, I'm just going to share uh, at the outset what the Excelsior Scholarship is, and then I'll let you guys know what is happening to it right now. So the Excelsior Scholarship is, is that, is a scholarship that is awarded to those New York State residents who attend a CUNY or a SUNY school, which is uh, New York State uh, schools. And 
or city schools, correct? When your income, uh, your federal adjusted gross income is below $125,000, you are eligible for the scholarship. And there are some requirements. Basically, you get tuition free at a CUNY or a SUNY, which is not to be confused with the entire cost of attendance, which is tuition, room plus board, it is tuition. And if you also are eligible for other New York State aid, you're not going to be able to double dip, but it, um, to the extent that they are cobbled together to uh, make up the tuition, that is what will be awarded if you meet the income eligibility requirements and there are credit uh, prerequisites. Obviously, if you are a first time college student, that wouldn't be it. But if you are a returning student, you will have needed 30 to have completed 30 credits in the previous 12 months. Your school, ne your schooling needs to be uninterrupted, et cetera. And then the what happens if that's not the case and you're already being awarded is that scholarship can convert to a, a loan in the event that um, the other uh, parts of this scholarship are you, for as many years as you avail yourself of this scholarship, you need to work in the state of New York for that many years. Otherwise, again, it converts into, the scholarship converts into a loan. Okay, great. So this has been for a couple of years. That was a, one of your better preambles. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay. For, um, unfortunately, for the class of 2020, Excelsior Scholarship um, candidates, who those who are eligible and are New York State residents, et cetera, who meet all those requirements, have now been slowly but surely learning little by slowly, and I will read you a letter <laughs> to, to the effect of what our students who have graduated in 2020 Again, to be clear, this is not currently affecting those already enrolled in school and those who have already received the Excelsior Scholarship. This is exclusively affecting, as of right now, uh, because everything happens very fast <laughs> and changing fast, um, the 2020 graduates. The students have received letters like this. Your 2020 Excelsior, Excelsior application is on file. We share your concerns regarding the timely notification of your scholarship, your Excelsior scholarship award. Please note that the COVID-19 pandemic has dramatically reduced state revenues and the processing of new applications as it's pending on federal assistance, which has been delayed since April. Excelsior scholarship awards may have to be reduced and or prioritized for current recipients as provided under the program. We'll update you more as more becomes available. And they are not thus far um, providing any other substitute uh, funding like from TAP or other higher education um, sources. Here's another letter. As you know, your, your initial financial aid award included an estimated amount for the Excelsior Scholarship pending your application and approval for the scholarship. The Excelsior application, which is required to be considered for the award, is available now until with the, yesterday was the deadline. However, August 31st. August 31st. However, this we is have, again for 2020. Only, yes. We're going to talk about 
2021 and later uh, yes. in a bit. Right. Yeah. However, we have been informed that processing applications and possibly even the availability of funds to provide Excelsior scholarships for new students may depend on receiving federal financial assistance. If funding becomes available, if it becomes available for new students, we will post any approved Excelsior award as a credit to your account on a future bill. Wow. As a potential awardee, we wanted to inform you of the Excelsior requirements to remain eligible. And then of course it goes into the details of what we, what I had described earlier, just the underlying um, requirements. And any changes made to your schedule may impact your eligibility, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So bottom line is so what 2020 these 2020 kids, kids yeah. who relied on a financial aid award, that included an Excelsior scholarship, which just to give you some, um, some numbers, let's just take um, Binghamton costs approximately, rounding up, $30,000 all in for the year. The tuition represents approximately a third. That's a big... Oops, sorry, it's not available. And we know you're already here and we already know you committed and you moved and you're here and you disregarded any other commitments you may have well, otherwise made. Well, hang on, but they're not saying they're not going to get it. No, it just but they're they, not saying they're going to get it. They're not saying they're not, they're not saying that they are, but there's. And they're not, they're not absolving these families from paying that out of yeah. their own pockets in order to maintain those positions at those schools right. either. Right. So there's not really a give and take there. It's just a take. There's an acknowledgement that it's happening, but it's like, sorry. But it could be a delay, hopefully, only. Hopefully. And this could be $7,000 or $8,000 or $9,000. $9, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a big chunk, and and unfortunately, of just based on the income restrictions, the 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 very families who this is designed for are the very families who will need that funding, and aren't going to necessarily have an extra ten grand to 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 fork over. So, you know, you have a lot of families that are very very stressed out, absolutely justifiably. Um, I was a little confused that you know this would seem to be an entire New York State yeah. funded, yeah. bragged about. We are doing it from our state because we manage things so well here. Woo! Um, huh? Why are you relying on? You know, the federal government has its own programs. They have Pell. They have, you know, they 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 do their own. They have Stafford. They have subsidized direct loans. They have all kinds of things that it offers. So I'm just kind of scratching my head. This was, you know, a New York State fund that's generated from New York State. And I'm not really understanding why they need the federal government's assistance for something that really was sourcing from New York State alone. So we don't have the answers. Um, but hopefully, I mean, I imagine because, you know, education is such a, a sacred cow that it will work out. They will magically find the money somehow, but it's very disconcerting to get all this information in August as kids are actually showing up on campus. And at what or, cost to a family? Or virtual, or virtual campus. And um, I don't know what this means going forward, but I suspect that it will be worked out, but we don't know yet. Right. And I don't really understand the link between, I mean, I do understand it, but I don't understand why you know, not getting enough federal money bears on a state program. Right. That seems like just uh, Sounds like political stuff. Commingling to me. I think if this yeah. were a private company, uh -huh. 
New York State would have some answering to do, actually. Yeah. Just just my feeling. Yeah. And and if I were a family that relied in good faith on this commitment, and I submitted my application in a timely fashion, and I met all the deadlines, and I made a monetary commitment to a school in reliance on this. Yep. I might have an actionable case against the state. So we're going to follow that story. Uh, and now I want to take some questions. So if you have any questions, pop them in here. Um, Ellen, good morning again. Uh, her son is a 12th grader, meaning I assume a 2021 grad. Can we submit the FAFSA before October 1st? Pearl. No. The financial, well, you could. Well, you can, but then you will uh, <laughs> not get aid for the year you're hoping, yeah. uh, which is the 21-22 school year. The financial aid forms for the 21-22 school year, the one that begins a year from now, and the freshman year of the 2021 high school graduating class, become available October 1st. That's when the CSS profile and the FAFSA get released. If you were to go on now, you are really just going to be filling out the FAFSA that is due for this year, for aid for this year that just began for the for the 2020 graduates and of course the already enrolled college students. So no, you have along, to wait. And along those lines, um, you need to look up each college's priority financial aid deadlines and adhere to those. Most of the priority deadlines are in November, November 15th, December, and so forth. Occasionally, schools like University of North Carolina have an October 15th deadline. If you're can applying you just, early action, or early I don't want people who are applying regular decisions to have a heart attack thinking they need to do so this. So many like hand now. gestures. I'm expressive. Really, really on, your, on your game. Um, right. So this is just sort of generic, uh, not specific advice. But you don't need to rush in your FAFSA on October 1st. Frequently, um, that's a it's a bad thing to do because there, there are glitches most years, it seems like, with, with those forms. So Pearl, with her wisdom, uh, usually does not start filing people until around October 15th, unless they have an early deadline like the 15th. Right, which yeah. to date, I think there's about one school maybe. North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That's it. Yeah, maybe another one. Um, okay, next question, uh, Christina Bana. Hello, Christina. Starting to get letters from colleges that mention their scholarships, they specify the required yeah. GPA and you guessed it, SAT score required to be considered for the scholarship. Right. So, so that comment I think um, reflects what we've been saying, you know, all along uh, for for weeks about why it still is important to take the SAT and the ACT, even if you're applying to test optional schools. Even those test optional schools may still predicate their merit aid awards on test scores. Maybe not their admissions decisions somehow, but certainly the, you know, getting scholarships. And, yeah. and of course, you, you know, you just have to get into the mindset of an admissions officer who is looking at a sea of applications and looking, you know, it, there are far more applications than there are spots and it is a process of elimination. So if you are opting not to provide a score, it may have an op the optics uh, of meaning, well, I maybe either didn't, especially this year, I didn't take a test, so I don't have one to provide you, or I didn't like my score, so I'm not sharing it with you. 
And that is going to be, you know, grades and scores, grades and their grades and extracurricular, let's just say about equal with a student who does provide a commensurate score with that application. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the one, the, the applicant with the score wins out every time, I believe, because it's just more evidence to base a decision on. So good segue into um, something I wasn't totally planning on talking about, but the um, there's a nice article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago, which was an excerpt from a book that's coming out by Jeff Salingo, uh, who's a um, college you know, thought leader or whatever, influencer um, who, who I follow, um, who's not me. Uh, and and um, I can definitely take him. And like, if there's a fight, I could take him. Yeah, but he's he's got a bigger audience. So. Thanks. So so um, uh, the the book that this was an excerpt from is based on um, a lot of time that he spent in certain admissions offices um, the last couple of years pre coronavirus, including Emory, including I think Davidson. Mm -hmm. uh, no relation to Will and Nancy Davidson. Good morning. <laughs> Um, as far as I know. And uh, I think there was one other school. I can't remember which one. I think it was a big state school. He, he's a, he's a, like a visiting professor at Arizona State. So I don't think he went in no, their admissions offices. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, again, this is you know, before the pandemic. He got some insight. And there's been other books like this um, where a journalist would sit in the office of, um, there was a book called The Choice, which um, was written by a former New York Times education writer where he did the same thing at Wesleyan, my alma mater, and I think a couple other schools. And what was really interesting was the, uh, I can't say it's really surprising, but just again, the deliberation and how thin a line it is between getting in and not getting in. And given that um, there's been uh, recent you know, scandals and um, lawsuits about how admissions decisions come about, I think that I'm looking forward to this book which I believe comes out on the 15th. Again, the last name is Salengo. I can't remember the name of the, of the title. But um, one of the things was whether the, the child was applying for financial aid or not. So I just want to make a few brief comments on that before I move on to the, uh, the last segment here of today's show. Um, the Whether a student needs financial aid or not was a big consideration at many of the colleges. I don't think it was at Emory, but it might have been at some of the other schools. But it might have been at, at Emory also. I can't I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna make a, just a couple of notes here. Number one, whether a student needed aid or not was one of the considerations out of maybe 20 or 25. So it can- And how much? It can, and how much aid, you know, exactly. They, Do they, figure, they literally ride, figured partial, it out. Exactly, yeah. they, they demonetize these kids. Based on the expected family contribution. Yes, yep. Right? So, um, so it's important in that it counts as a factor, but it's not necessarily huge, but, you know, because the guy's writing a book and he needed some drama, I, th I think he, you know, he uh, accurately emphasized some of the kids who didn't get in because they needed money, um, very low income families versus middle income and upper middle class and mass affluent and, you know, I don't know, privileged um, families who might have needed, uh, you know, some, but not a ton because they made $200,000 or $150,000 or, or something like that. Now, um, if he, I mean, I'm curious about how he updates that for, for the coronavirus, where I think it's going to be more important than it was in any previous year in recent memory to 
um, admit uh, kids from families who can pay full price. So that brings me to one of our recommendations for our families, because we have a lot of families who can pay full price. And our recommendation is across the board to demonstrate financial strength by submitting your financial aid forms. Demonstrating admission strength by submitting your financial aid forms yeah. that well, show your financial strength. <laughs> there's two strengths, yes. So, um, no, so I want to be very clear here. So um, in the common application, some schools ask, are you applying for need-based aid? I would check that box, no, if you're not, you know, not going to qualify for need-based aid. That's a whole other topic. Right. But I would still submit the financial aid forms to show that financial strength that you have as a family, meaning your ability to, um, to pay or get your hands on money by borrowing. Um, the colleges don't care how you come up with it because that'll either be worst case scenario, uh, neutral to, to getting in and best case scenario, it might give you a little bit of an edge. So this is, I just want to say this really quickly and uh, we don't need to get into the whole discussion about whether it's fair or not because it doesn't really matter. So that's just the way it is. I do know that you're not going to get this information um, from your guidance counselors at high schools or you know, I don't even know. Or what the school themselves. Yeah, I, I, right. So, so I, I don't know, and I don't know what they're doing for back to school night or college, uh, high school night, college, whatever. Maybe they're doing virtual things. I finally get to wear pajamas. As opposed to blowing off the, the <laughs> nights, which is what we've done the last five years. Actually, you went to one of them. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I wanted to just make, you know, that I thought that was appropriate to, to talk about. And we'll be, I'm sure, talking about this again, too. I wanted to wrap up before we um, take some more questions here with just a couple of observations from the four um, boot camps that I've run, uh, applications and essay boot camps that we ran this summer, which were virtual, unlike the previous four, which were in the office. And I want to talk specifically about a couple of mistakes that I see kids falling prey to in their essays, specifically the supplemental essays, but also one with the common application. So there's, um, there's a common application essay, which asks uh, if you have a background or stories, the first prompt. Um, you have a background or story that without telling the story, the rest of your application would be incomplete. So um, one of the students this, this Sunday wrote an essay responding to that prompt and it was about her love of service which you know is a decent topic and then what she proceeded to do was to talk about i did this you know food drive then i did this um clothing thing and then i did this thing in school and it was you know three or four paragraphs describing various things that she did and i was reading and i said okay so so you write well and that's good but if you if you read the prompt which you always have to do it asks about again, about something that's important to you, background story or something else, that without knowing this, the rest of your application would be incomplete. I said, that stuff is all on the application. That's going to be in your activities section. So unless you're adding a new dimension to this, other than how much you love to do it, I don't think that's the right prompt. I think you should start over. So I see that happen a lot. So I wanted to bring that up just in case anyone is going through the essays right now. The don't answer what you want to answer, like read the prompt. Well, you sure should, you're really answering it. I, I, I well, like a politician who gets asked one question and pivots and just says whatever they want. That that part is fine, but you, but you can't violate what the admissions office officers are, are looking for because it's going to show that you can't follow directions. Uh, another um, common thing that kids do in terms of mistakes is when they're writing an answer to the question, why are you applying here? I've talked about this before, but I, I can't say it enough because I still see these mistakes happening 
a lot the tendency for kids to say um, why they're interested in a certain school is to go very high level and very generic so it can you know pertain to virtually any college uh, i love um uh new york city there's so many great um, opportunities you have so many you have 300 clubs um, in the school, uh, you know, it'll be very hard for me to pick the ones I want uh, to, to go to. I'm really interested in studying biology, et cetera. Th those are all very um, high level, right? Generic. Y your job on this, on this um, essay prompt is to demonstrate that you've gone deep, that you've done some real serious thought about why that school is a good fit for you. So the right way to answer that is to look at specific courses, specific professors, specific programs, and other unique things about that school that's two or three levels below. I, you know, I'd love to go to school in Boston or New York or Washington or something like that. So when I was reviewing the course catalog and I saw that I'd have the opportunity to take blah, 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 and that was taught by professors such and such whose background includes, you know, ABC. That's how, that, that's how you go deeper. That's how you're much more convincing. And that's what you need to do on those essays. And how you stand out. Right. So you'll, you'll stand out. generica. Yeah. You'll stand out by showing you've done some thought. That's why those essays exist. Okay. So now, ready to go for some questions? Sure. All right. Lori, we got some uh, good monies offered, but then deferred for a year. I feel our new offer for next year will be less, even though um, your personal financial situation has not changed, but the college has. Do you agree? Do you think they will also frown on the fact that we deferred and get less aid? I think that's a risk, um, but I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'd be morbidly curious about it also and worried, but um, hopefully. I think it also depends how the student spends the year, the deferred year. And if it's very productive, I think that's an asset. And you've basically deepened and improved your candidacy. Hmm. But if you just decided to, you know, hang out for the year, that's not really that helpful. Claire asked Pearl, when or how do I find out who holds my parent plus loan? When I look online, they, sh they now show my student loans that I paid 25 years ago. Okay. Okay. So what you would do is you would go to studentloans.gov and input the parents at the parent borrower of the plus loans, FSA ID, username and password, into the studentloans.gov site and immediately once assigned, if you do it too soon after you've applied for and the loan's been put in place, it may not show up, but pretty soon thereafter, there are um, approximately 10 or so federal loan servicers that the government assigns these loans to. You will on the very first page, see the name of the loan servicer, the contact information. It actually gives you a hyperlink right there where you can then click on and set up your account. Even though if you have, if the loan was set up where you don't need to make any payments until six months after graduation, which is very, very common, uh, you can still at least just to keep on top of it, it'll always show you in the student loan site and of course the servicers site exactly what you owe, what amount is principal, what amount is interest, how you can make payments if should you choose to before it's owed. And of course, it also um, shows you what the payment, the payback uh, op options are. There, it's not just one way, but once your payments become due, there are a variety of ways that you can make those payments back. Uh, they're based on different things. Okay, and Panopoulos, does that apply if you won't qualify for financial aid, 
but are hoping for merit yes. aid. I think she's asking about submitting the um, financial aid yes. forms. De definitely, definitely. That's exactly the scenario. Um, all right, hello to, to Melena. By the way, that is, just, just to round that out, that is the other predominant reason one who, because I just, I just had a CPA say to me, you know, here's my client's taxes, but I don't think you're going to really need them because they're not going to need to submit forms because right. they make well over $500,000 a year. And then I said, well, except there are two big reasons one would. One, of course, right. we discussed earlier, admissions, it's an admission strength to show your financial strength. And of course, many schools and increasingly so will not consider you for merit aid unless and until you have submitted these financial aid forms as a prerequisite. So if you Such want to be in the running for that NYU. What he's applying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So yes. <laughs> All right. Chris Couch, good morning again. Uh, she said that when you registered to take the ACT, they asked you if you're going to file for a need based aid. Yeah. That's, I don't know if the college see that, though. That does not necessarily, if you are submitting forms and you know you are not a need-based eligible candidate, yet you are submitting financial aid forms, because again, not only those two reasons we just discussed, consideration for merit aid and an admission strength, the other reason one might, if if you want that student, your, your student and or a parent to take a loan you want to preserve that opportunity. We just had that situation. You yep. need to file financial aid forms. You need to file that FAFSA in order to then, at, at, the, at the time you're ready to finance school, if you want to take that loan out, that FAFSA has to be filed. And if you wait too late, you cannot do so after a certain amount of time. So that's the third reason one who may not otherwise qualify for need-based aid would file. Hmm. Now, one other comment. So the question is asking if you're applying for need-based aid. Just That does not mean I am filing forms. You check that. No. If you are not need-based eligible, you're not checking that. Okay. Okay. But, but in terms of the ACT okay. or, or if the SAT uh, asked that, I, I can't remember if they do, I would, I would probably say no on that, but, it's, but the colleges don't see that. All, the only thing the colleges see is um well i'm sorry when you apply on the common application for college that's that's when you that, that's the real moment of truth when when you're checking off the box yes i want need-based aid no i don't when you're doing that for the uh act or the sat they're selling that data to colleges so that they can market to you so um college you know some colleges may be more interested in like we're talking about here in kids that, that uh, will not be applying for need-based aid. So, you know, all it's going to do is result in uh, slightly more, slightly less brochures and emails, fake personalized emails from colleges. <laughs> okay. Um, Michelle Baum, good morning, Michelle. Is there another boot camp or essay help opportunity? I'm starting to feel like I, I should have been a one-on-one -on -one client. Um, I, I, I really don't want to do another boot camp because they, not, not to be lazy about it, but they take so much out of me. Um, so I'm still recovering. Um, I, I might be able to be talked into doing another one, but um, I, I'm really not planning on it right, right now, just to be totally uh, transparent about that. Um, all right, Claire, you are welcome. Um, Lisa Lair, we need help, help finding schools. There are too many. Um, if, yeah, so I hate to say this also, but um, I'm, not, I'm not taking, I, I stopped taking on um, 2021 kids uh, sometime in, in uh, July, June, actually. So 
unfortunately, I, don't, I can't uh, offer that help um, at this point. We're just too crazy with this. Okay. Ellen says bye. And thank you. All right, good. Are you chatting with someone who we need to publicly? Nope. To, uh, okay. <laughs> Something doing your own thing? Okay. All right. Anything Mother else? Other duties. Um, no. Okay, good. So um, we're going to wrap up here. And for, for our current clients, we are doing t uh, tonight, we are doing a uh, client only um, Facebook uh, on our private client page um, workshop on you know the whole procedure, what we're doing, you know, in terms of uh, the financial aid forms, how we're going to gather all the information that we still need, when we're going to be filing stuff. And you've already, you should have already gotten a couple of emails about that. I'm going to send out one more just for clients. That means our one-on-one -on -one clients, our forms preparation clients, our inner circle clients. Um, so look out for that in the next couple of hours. And that starts tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then um, it'll be recorded for anyone who can't make it live. And we hope you can join us. Smiley. Okay. Why not? All right. So we'll see you later. Thanks for joining us and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double secret software, College Guru software that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid and need-based aid opportunities as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at lockwoodinnercircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.